everybody. Welcome to the Sports Plus Podcast. I'm Corey Miller here with Frank Cusimano. And this is the second time this year where we're not going to have a very happy podcast here. Got some more bad news on Friday. Cardinals Hall of Famer Bob Gibson died at age 84. Uh, just about a month uh, from when Lou Brock died. So some more sad news for Cardinal Nation. Uh, Frank and I just coming on the podcast to reminisce on uh, some Gibson stories and there is quite a bit to unpack when you're talking about a guy like Bob Gibson. I've just been, in, I mean, I've been enjoying scrolling social media, seeing all everybody's different memories and everybody's got a story and there's just so many different layers and, and things to dissect with a guy of this caliber. It's gonna, he's definitely not going to be forgotten. No, he won't. And um, there's a lot, of, a lot of different angles. There's so many different layers to his personality. Uh, the, the, the humor angle is something that a lot of people don't realize, that he was like a professional needler, and he was really funny. I mean, I can remember uh, having uh, Bob Gibson and Ozzie Smith in front of me, uh, right outside the new Gibson Way street that they dedicated in the Grove. And I asked Bob with Ozzie right next to him, I said, Bob, would it have been great if you would have had Ozzie Smith playing behind you? He said, no, I like my shortstops to have a little bit more offensive pop. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the, uh, I, I don't know if it was you or our producer, Andy Moeller, somebody telling me uh, McCarver and Carlton were talking about how Carlton had the best slider in history or something like that. And Gibson overheard him and ran over and said, best left-handed slider. <laughs> <laughs> and there were the great, um, you know, McCarver exchanges with Gibson when he would come out to talk to him and Gibson would say, what are you doing here? The only thing you know about good pitching is you can't hit it. <laughs> uh, let's, let's do some stats here because they do jump off the board. Nine-time All-Star, two-time World Series champion, MVP both times, struck out over 3,000 batters, 2.91 career ERA, that insane 1968 season uh, of 1.12 that we'll never see again, and they had to change – the mound level because of him. Uh, I mean, you don't get to talk about a guy that literally changed the game. Usually you just say that, but in this case, it's true. Yeah. The, the 68 season, that was 1.12. It was 13 shutouts. I mean, Adam Wainwright, I think he has like 17 or 18 in his career, which is absolutely staggering. I think that, um, you know, the intimidation angle is something that everybody played up and they thought that, Gibson, he didn't hit that many people. He threw inside and he had that glare. Now he once told me about that glare is that his eyes weren't great and he had to kind of glare into the catcher to get the signals. But everybody took that as Gibson being intimidating. I'll tell you some of the best stories about Bob Gibson are what happened at old timers games where it's a very light atmosphere. So here's the story, Corey, is that Pete LeCock, who was just a mediocre player for the Chicago Cubs, in Bob Gibson's last game ever, Pete LeCock hit a grand slam off him. Years later, there's an old-timers game, and Pete LeCock comes to the plate, and Gibson hits him and yells, I've been waiting to do that for years. <laughs> Reggie Jackson took him deep in an old-timers game, and the very next trip, he brushed back Reggie Jackson. <laughs> the guy was just a competition junkie. There was nobody like him. 
Speaking of Reggie Jackson, I saw uh, a clip that's been floating around there on social media, a dual interview they did, uh, asking Gibson about how he pitched inside and had that reputation of, of hitting guys, even though he really didn't. And he kind of was like, hey, that's what I had to do. I, I uh, The pitcher, I went up to – I went to the mound. Okay, one half of the plate is mine. The hitter's going to have to figure out which one that is. And he pitched inside so he could pitch away more effectively and get more outs and uh just watching all these i saw another video of him uh, playing the guitar on the ed sullivan show with i think denny mclean playing the uh the piano and i was like what is going on this is this is one of the most talented people ever <laughs> he played for the globe trotters he was an ace on the the creighton uh, basketball team there's a good chance he was one of the greatest athletes we've ever seen just in general right yeah and it's because his you know, the, the year 1947 was extremely significant for Bob Gibson. He had a brother named Josh, not Josh Gibson from the old Negro Leagues, but his brother. And Bob was 11 years old in 1947. And when that happened, when Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier, Josh Gibson felt, hey, you can do this. You can get to the big leagues. And if you talk to Bob, it was Josh who made him you know, the great player he was and the great athlete he was. He worked with other players in the Omaha area. But without Josh Gibson, you know, pushing Bob along, who knows how great Gibson would have been. So that's absolutely amazing. You know, Curry, I've said this before. My first ever baseball memory is 1968, game one of the World Series against the Tigers. My dad picked me up. I was a kindergarten at Our Lady of the Pillar. And um, we watched Gibson strike out 17. And that, that slider, and you, everybody, if you get a chance, YouTube Bob Gibson, game one, 1968. It was unhittable. I think it was Willie Horton who made the last out. It was a potent Tiger lineup with Willie Horton, Bill Freehand, Al Kaline, just great players. And he struck out 17. I remember getting in the car with my dad, and I said, um, does this happen often? And he said, not before and not ever again. <laughs> so it seems like Gibson for – for people back then, guys like you and my dad, who Gibson was his favorite player, we got a Gibson jersey hanging up in a closet upstairs. Uh, my dad rode the bus over for Bob Gibson Day when he was like 10 years old over over to Bush Stadium by himself from Southern Illinois. What was it about Gibson that he was just every kid's guy at, at that age? Well, I think the the power angle. I mean, he's the the baseball equivalent of a of a power hitter or the pitching equivalent of a power uh, hitter that he just said, here's my best stuff. If you can hit me, you win. But more often than not, they didn't. And it was, you know, it was, it was a kind of a late developing career, Corey. He didn't win his 20, he didn't win 20 games in a season until he was 29 years old. And I can still remember that. Well, I don't remember it well, but I, I read about it so many times and it was one of the best lines I've ever heard about a baseball manager respecting his player. It was a 64 World Series and Gibson came out and he had nothing left in that last inning. And they were hitting home runs, the Yankees were hitting home runs and the Cardinals were in danger of losing. And Johnny Keene kept him in the game. And after the game, they went to Johnny Keene and they said, why did you keep him in? And he simply said, I believed in his heart. And that just summed up Bob Gibson. So, I mean, his legacy lived on in the current players, too. We saw just last night 
after the Cardinals were eliminated against the Padres, Yadier Molina and Jack Flaherty both got on and had a lot to say, especially well, Yadi had tears in his eyes because obviously they were very close, Yadi being here his entire career. And Jack Flaherty and Gibson had a really special connection because Jack said Gibson saw something in Jack and came to him and wanted to develop, develop a relationship. And that kind of took Jack by surprise. And he's like, oh, if the guy like this is searching you out, wanting to talk to you, you soak that up for everything you can. And they became really close. And he said that they've exchanged messages lately and not in person, of course. And Jack hasn't seen him in person for a little while. But he was kept up to date on his health. And the last thing Gibson told him was just be a man, be yourself, and go out and attack. And Flaherty was pretty emotional last night, too. Let's actually take a second. Here is a little bit of what uh, Molina and Flaherty had to say after last night's game. <laughs> that was funny, smart. It brings a lot of energy. When you talk, you listen. And it was good to have him around every year for many years. And yeah, we lose a game. Yeah, we lose a series. But the top thing we we lose one one great man. Uh, he's he's a legend first and foremost, and then somebody who you know I was lucky enough to develop a relationship with, and I was lucky enough to to learn from. And you don't get that from from people like that very often. You don't get the opportunity to learn from somebody of that caliber and somebody who is that good. Um, very often. So uh, just to have the ability to to form a relationship and you know for him to, to offer up his advice and offer up any anything that, that I could ask him, just for him to offer up any piece of advice he could give, it's, uh, it's special. You know, it's hopefully I can be in the same position that he was in one day, but you know, so it was a relationship I never really saw coming and never really expected. And, um, you know, I had been kept up on his, on his health and where he was at. And, uh, you know, you just kept praying and kept praying and kept praying for him. And, uh, you know, it was just, it was one of those things. I he just, just, you know, I was really hoping it wasn't going to be today. I was, I was about to wear his jersey today to, to the field, but decided against it. But, you know, it's just uh, I, all I can say is I'm, I'm, in, I'm incredibly thankful for to have had a relationship with him and to have learned what I learned from him. You know, another crazy thing, Frank, I forget, you could probably point me on which year this was, but just the toughness of Gibson. He broke, he had parts of his leg broken on a line drive by Roberto Clemente back to him, and he stayed in the game. Yeah. He would not see that today, ever. Yeah, he stayed in the game, and then he came back later that season, and he won three games in the 67 World Series. I'm telling you, Corey, you know, we talked about Brock being one of the greatest World Series performers of all time with 14 stolen bases there in, the, in 67 and 68, and he hit over 400. But if the Cardinals don't mess that thing up in 68 where Flood missed the ball and Lou didn't slide, Gibson wins that game, and he wins – six World Series games in two years. Uh, <laughs> it's, that, it's pretty nuts. Yeah. At game seven against the Red Sox, where he did it all in 67, I, I believe it was, 
is probably one of the greatest performances in Cardinals history. He had a home run in that game too, I think. He did. In fact, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, Hall of Fame sports writer by the name of Bob Bragg, who was a legend in St. Louis. Um, he tells the story before that game. The Cardinals were in a hotel, and they did not uh, have uh, power. They lost power, so there wasn't room service or food. So Bob Bragg actually brought two egg sandwiches to Bob Gibson before the game and delivered them, you know, to the clubhouse so Gibson could have some nourishment. I'm not sure if I could picture the commish doing that now. He's such a nice guy, maybe he could, but yeah, that was Gibson in World Series. That was money, you know, because in that 68 one, when he struck out 17, he outdueled Denny McClain, who had won 31 games that year. But Mickey Lolich ended up being the star of that series, and he won that. He won three games in that series, including game seven. And it's just so crazy that to the date of that record-setting performance, October 2nd is the day he passes away. I, it's baseball, weird things happen on weird dates all the time, and it's just another one of those. I, it's so ironic. I couldn't believe it. Um, let's I talk about – yeah, to, go ahead. I talked to Dick Zitzman, who is um, Bob's – one of his closest friends in St. Louis and his longtime agent. And he said that, like in August, they thought Bob Gibson was going to do something that nobody's ever done. I'm not talking about a baseball feat, but beat pancreatic cancer. He was doing amazingly well. I mean, shockingly well. And then all of a sudden, it just took a turn for the worse last week. And, and, and you know, pancreatic cancer never met an opponent like Bob Gibson. All I, that's all I can say. Yeah. Let's talk, I mean, this has been a rough year for pretty much anybody you talk to. It's been a really tough year for the Cardinals, both the current team and now you lose Lou Brock and Bob Gibson. I'm just thinking how big of a hole is there going to feel on opening day, hopefully next year when we can get everybody back in Bush Stadium, when the Hall of Famers come out and those two guys aren't there? Well, you know, you think about it too is uh, Bruce Sutter doesn't live here and he's there have been health issues there too, that Ozzie Smith is now kind of like, you know, the senior member. And you never think of Ozzie being, you know, the elderly gentleman. You always thought of Brock and Gibson and Musio and Red. And now, you know, a youthful Ozzie Smith is like the senior member of the National Hall of Fame here in St. Louis in a sense. So it's going to be strange. There's no doubt about it. Yep. It, uh, it will be strange and there'll be, uh, there'll be a, lot of, a lot of tears here in St. Louis, although you could not really live a life better than uh, Bob Gibson did. Uh, that'll do it for this episode of our Sports Plus podcast, looking back on the life and career of Bob Gibson. We have a lot more content on our website and, of course, on our newscast this whole week uh, as we remember Bob Gibson. Thanks for joining us, everybody.